What's up, NBA fans? Welcome to the Second Stringers NBA podcast. This week, we're reviewing Media Day, the Jimmy Butler trade, Carl Anthony Towns, who just got paid, as well as continuing our season previews with the Central Division preview that includes the Milwaukee Bucks, the Pacers, the Pistons, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and of course, the Chicago Bulls. But first, during Media Day, LeBron took this picture with Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and Kyle Kuzma. It was his first time donning the purple and gold. Here's a question for you, Sean. How old was Lonzo Ball during LeBron's rookie year? I mean, does Lonzo Ball even remember much about LeBron's career? Oh, man. That's a pretty good question, Alan. I I, kind of see what you're getting at with this question leading into the Lakers media day. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say... I mean, this should be pretty easy if I knew his exact age. I'll say like six. Yeah, yeah, you got oh, that right. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> nice All guess. Right, nice. Unless you did the math really quickly in your head. I mean, I knew LeBron's been in the league for 14 years. I figured some somewhere 19, 20, 21. I don't really know how old Lonzo is. Yeah, he's 20, 21, I believe. Oh, he's about to turn 21. I think his, which weirdly. I know when his birthday is. It's on October. Gosh, you're, well, such, a, you're such a Laker fan, bro. <laughs> well, the only re- actually, it's not because I'm I'm weird. It's because <laughs> while researching for this question, I saw that his birthday was in October. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> nice save. But, uh, yeah, you're right. Lonzo Ball was six years old when LeBron James started his NBA career in 2003 with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And now fast forward to 2018, media day. Lonzo's playing alongside LeBron James. And this media day was sort of interesting. We got some awkward laughs from Kawhi Leonard. Uh, we got awkward questions <laughs> between Carl Anthony Towns and the media after what transpired regarding uh, Jimmy Butler. And uh, Lonzo's buffer. And that's the thing that I think I remember the most out of the Lakers media day. Yeah, I didn't actually even see that. Can you can you go into further detail <laughs> on what that is? I mean, it was like the biggest thing that most people took away about Lonzo Ball is that he yeah, looks I mean, buffer and he does. He's got he's new tattoos as well. And he's a I father, didn't apparently. I really see a lot from Media Day outside of the Raptors and <laughs> some of the Lakers. So what I actually saw was a photo of Lance Stevenson, Rajon Rondo, JaVale McGee, and Michael Beasley. And Stevenson's yeah. caption for it was uh, nicknamed this squad. <laughs> and, and LeBron actually came up with this nickname called MUD, <laughs> the MUD squad. And that's an acronym for motivated underappreciated and determined it's super cheesy <laughs> i like it it's kind of cheesy <laughs> yeah mud mud is not really like a it. word that has a great connotation these guys are just stuck in the mud, mud. <laughs> yeah a bunch of mud balls hopefully they Hopefully they, they actually do some scoring. But I think, all, all jokes aside, I think the most interesting thing from this Laker media day uh, was LeBron James um, and the fact that this is his first media day probably since, I don't know, what, 2009, 2000, probably well beyond that, 2007, where the expectations on media day weren't uh, championship or bust, um, basically. And in fact, he iterated the complete opposite of that with his quote being, I don't believe the only way to mark a successful season is to win a championship. It's interesting because it it's true. It's realistic. Mm-hmm. The Lakers yeah. make the playoffs. That's a successful season, I would say. Yeah. Um, As far as the mentality of like a world-class athlete, 
where like your whole goal is just to win a championship. I don't know. It's a weird thing, kind of, you know, like yeah. you, you would expect everyone to just be like, I'm trying to win a championship. That is how it's successful. Like that is my successful NBA career is getting a ring. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. LeBron's been through everything. I wouldn't be surprised if he's lost a little bit of competitive competitive edge at this point. Mm-hmm. Not that he can't just call on it, call on his competitiveness at any given moment. But I think in right. just like these everyday moments where he's just talking to media and stuff, I don't think he's has to put on a face of like it's championship or bust, no matter what. Every second, every part of my life, you know. Yeah, and I guess that's what's pretty cool to on one aspect is that he's being pretty candid here. Um, cause it seemed like he was, he was all smiles and it looked like he was having a lot of fun in his interviews and joking around and giving people nicknames left and right. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Maybe once, maybe today's a different mentality now that they've actually, uh, hit the court with Luke Walton and everybody on the second day of training camp. Uh, but I mean, he knows what's ahead of him. Probably the biggest challenge of his NBA career to get a team to the NBA finals, probably since, yeah, since well before, uh, 2007. Right. Yeah. And you can kind of compare it cause it is really LeBron and a lot of guys that aren't quite there yet, but yeah, I think, I think he does understand too, like us, that this team does have a lot of potential with its young core and with these veterans. I don't think that's him discounting it. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't think he's discounting the talent that this team has, but he realizes that the Warriors have five all-stars on their team. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you're going to be disappointed with not beating them, like if you think that your season ends, if they make the conference finals and lose to the Warriors, if that's a unsuccessful season, then you're kind of just lying to yourself. Yeah, true, true. And speaking of the Warriors, I mean, all the talk of media day was DeMarcus Cousins, um, people clamoring that he is ahead of schedule in his recovery. I um, mean, he had an interesting quote saying he's driven like a madman uh, to basically get himself back in great basketball shape and, and get the Warriors back in tier two. In tier and to your position to repeat as champions. And another interesting quote as well from Clay Thompson stating that he likes the team out East referring to the Boston Celtics. <laughs> like what, what does he like about them? Like he likes them to beat them or he just likes, yeah. likes the way they are. Yeah. I mean, I think he meant it as in he likes what's out there and I guess he's looking forward to that potential finals matchup. Um, if, if they get there, which, I mean, all signs obviously point that they will. Yeah, I, I mean, I would love to see this matchup, honestly, because you really do have potentially five all-stars on the Celtics, too. When mm-hmm. you think about it, like, Jalen Brown is probably the one that will not make the all-star game out of all the guys there, but he's pretty damn close. Mm-hmm. And that's crazy when you think about how we always hype up the Warriors having this ridiculous lineup, and they're, they are more talented than the Celtics, but... If you're talking about just all-star count, Celtics, they're right there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, all signs point that they should come out of that Eastern Conference um, and make it to the NBA Finals, though maybe the Toronto Raptors and the Milwaukee Bucks will have something to say about that. Mm -hmm. But at this point, it seems more likely than not. Uh, But how about Carmelo Anthony? Uh, Were you expecting him to show up to the Atlanta Hawks media day and then take a quick jet ride over to the Rockets media day presentation? (laughs) No. I was not. That's that's insane. <laughs> but I guess the biggest highlight from Carmelo Anthony is basically him standing up at the podium, um, stating, "Whatever I have to do to help this team win a championship is what's going to get done." Uh, Carmelo Anthony, maybe 
referring to the fact that this time around, he's willing to come off the bench for this Houston Rockets <laughs> team. Do you take that from this, Sean, or are you, do yeah. you think otherwise? Yeah, I totally do. It's about time. Like, he's got to realize he's probably not even the sixth best player on this team. And Eric Gordon is in such a better position to start instead of him. I mm-hmm. I think it would be a mistake for D'Antoni to try to force Carmelo to play starter minutes at this point. So, yeah, yeah I'm good with it. Yeah, same here. Uh, I like the quote. The question really is, is how believable it is uh, for me. And I think this time around, I'm going to believe Carmelo Anthony. I think he learned from yeah. his mistakes at OKC and... He realizes he wants to win. He likes he liked going to deep into or potentially going deep into the playoffs with OKC. They came up short, and he wants one more try. And the clock is ticking. Um, it's counting down the end of Carmelo Anthony's career. Right. And, yeah. The, the the most telltale sign you can't have of your career kind of being on the downturn is taking a veteran's minimum to join a team that can contend for a championship. That's true. Either that, or you have a theatrical. A video to start to announce that you're returning for one more year. <laughs> yeah, man, I didn't watch that Dwayne Wade video. I need to. <laughs> I need to get on that, man. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's not dear basketball, but no, that was that was <laughs> award winning. <laughs> true, that is true. That that's the stand that that one's at. But uh, the original question here is who had really the most interesting media day, and I think these are our two <laughs> finalists here. Oh yes, to, the Toronto Raptors. And the Timberwolves. I'm going to go with the Timberwolves here, and I'll tell you why. Okay. And I think it was just completely awkward, obviously, (laughs) because of Jimmy Butler, his encounter with uh, Andrew Wiggins, uh, Carl Anthony Towns, a big announcement that he's signed his max deal finally, all happening within a matter of two, three days. Yeah. Um, And Jimmy Butler's not there at Media Day. Um, And everybody basically giving quotes. Uh, signaling that the end of Jimmy Butler is already here uh, with Carl Anthony Towns <laughs> calling the situation awkward. Tom Thibodeau saying we were fortunate enough to have a, to have to have acquire a player mm. like that. And Andrew Wiggins basically wishing him the best <laughs> of luck. <laughs> All while Jimmy Freaking Butler Wiggins. is still officially on this roster. <laughs> Freaking Wiggins, man. This dude. Oh, my gosh. He has to be the worst teammate ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, people just, I mean, from from Tom Thibodeau, I I think I believe him. Yeah, he they were fortunate to get a player like him. Uh, though Carl Anthony Towns very candid, calling the situation awkward, but saying that they both had respect for each other. Okay, I can respect that answer. But Andrew Wiggins just, <laughs> you know who Andrew Wiggins reminds me of is Squidward. Oh, because <laughs> like every time SpongeBob would like have any hint of leaving the neighborhood, Squidward would be like so happy, be like, "Good luck, SpongeBob, bon voyage." <laughs> That's a great <laughs> before comparison. he had even left. <laughs> yeah, this is what's pretty funny is technically uh, the start of the NBA season is what we're what like three four weeks away. Three weeks. Uh, three weeks. Uh, it's very realistic that in three weeks Jimmy Butler is still on this team. Is it and, though? Uh, is it though? I. Th- I think so. I mean, everybody's a lot of people's I, uh, minds are going to be on training camp right now. It would um, be such a long shot in my mind the way everything's going. Like Wiggins seems safe saying this, but it's still still a terrible thing to say before I mean, he's the, traded. Unless the Timberwolves are willing to just take a bad deal uh just to get him off their hands, but 
I, I think it's very realistic that in three weeks he's still on this team and and it's going to make the situation even more awkward. <laughs> that would be, I, I'm actually hoping that's the case now because that would be so funny to watch them in their first game. Like, would they even pass it to each other? Would they even look at each other? Could you even play them in the same lineup? <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. That Yeah, they probably sit on opposite ends of the bench as well. Oh, man. But for... For how awkward all this is, I am actually going to go with the Toronto Media Day as as the winner for most interesting. That <laughs> nice. lived up to the hype of being... <laughs> I knew... <laughs> I mean, it actually didn't live up to any hype. I think yeah. everyone knew what they were getting with interviewing Kawhi Leonard. It's exactly what you'd get with like Tom Brady um, in right. the NFL. You get absolutely nothing. But we did get one thing, that Kawhi Leonard laugh, man, which was only let in legend before. No one had heard it, and now it's, it's surfaced, and it is just the biggest meme of the century right now. <laughs> How long do you think this Kawhi Leonard uh, basically laughter loop going to survive <laughs> in the internet stratosphere? Oh, I mean, it won't last long. It's the internet. But true, it, true. right now, it, it is right up there with Bowsette as, like, most popular <laughs> things to spread. But that, you heard that, right? Like, you heard that? Oh, yeah. Oh, I my gosh. That. that was so <laughs> painful. It looked painful. Like, all, like, what everyone's saying about it is not even exaggerating. Like, it sounded fake. It did sound fake, but I, but watching the video, I mean, I've watched it several over a dozen times <laughs> yeah. now uh, yeah. and leading even the build-up to it the after of it like i watched that entire uh press conference uh it seemed very real to me it seemed candid like I, right. this is the way this man laughs That's, like man and like right after he's like i'm a pretty fun guy yeah <laughs> fun guy. it's like are you man this guy is insane yeah i mean i've that's basically the first time i've heard somebody when they're asked or given the opportunity to just basically talk about themselves respond with <laughs> i don't know you just gotta ask me more questions yeah what? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense oh my gosh he's it's a almost fun guy, like man. it's almost like he's trying to like be the just weirdest person possible like, he's trying to be the, like, robot that we all think he is, just to, like, play into the joke. Like, he keeps playing into that yeah, character. Yeah, right. Yeah, he's just like... Possibly, gonna... maybe he's just trolling yeah, everybody. Yeah, just trolling everybody, man. Like, it's... I just can't believe, like, <laughs> that. that's his demeanor, like, on a normal, <laughs> like, a normal, everyday life. Yeah, but, um, outside of that, he also just didn't give any clear answer of whether or not he's staying... In Toronto, I basically give him the the typical line of taking it day by day mm-hmm. and and seeing what happens. So if that was any indication of whether or not he likes Toronto, I mean, I think it's a good sign. He laughed. He, he laughed. <laughs> yeah, whatever you, you can call that laugh, if you can call yeah. it that. So I definitely think that that's not the kind of laugh Carl Anthony Towns gave out when he <laughs> found out. Uh, that Jimmy Butler wants to be traded, and that now he got he has five years, one hundred ninety million dollars in his hands. All he has to do is just wait twelve months to get that first paycheck, but it's guaranteed and it's here. Yeah, man, that is some big money. I did not think that this deal would get done, 
in this awkward time span of Jimmy Butler wanting to get traded. It's it's a statement from it's the, perfect. the Wolves. Yeah. yeah, it's like, this is our guy. Like, uh, if you're not going to stand by him, then that's too bad. Like, Carl Anthony Towns is the future of the Timberwolves, and it makes sense before... Jimmy Butler got there. He was averaging 25 points a game. Uh, when Jimmy Butler came there, he was only averaging 21 a game. So mm-hmm. you could argue that Jimmy Butler actually took away from Carl Anthony Towns' ability on the yeah. team. Um, I mean, they they did really well. Don't get me wrong. Like this lineup was third seed. Uh, yeah. Before Jimmy Butler got hurt, so there's still a lot of questions there to be asked. But you're talking about a guy that's just 22 years old. He has so much room to grow still. Um, still his best years ahead of him potentially. And this is a guy you got, you got to lock him down as long as you can. Yeah. There's no doubt. This guy's a, a star for years to come and is only going to get better. Uh, I mean, worth all the money here. Uh, I just think it's interesting. The, the sort of the mentality of ownership and Carl Anthony Towns himself. I mean, if they didn't want to make it seem like he had a problem with Jimmy Butler, they did a terrible job. <laughs> the worst absolute job you can possibly oh, do. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, on media day, Carl Anthony Towns basically just alluded that him and Glenn Taylor just had some stuff to hash out. Uh, didn't give any details on what those things actually were. Uh, but I mean, that answer and the timing of it obviously points that uh, maybe there was some problems in the locker room, personality issues between Carl Anthony Towns um, and Jimmy Butler. Uh, Mm -hmm. Maybe, who knows? Or maybe we won't find out the details until a later book uh, when Carl Anthony Towns is 35, which is a long, long time from now. (laughs) Yeah, that'll be interesting. But yeah, this is is awesome for the Wolves. This is a guy that's played in Mm -hmm. all 82 games for his first three seasons in the league. That doesn't, you don't get any more reliable than that. Like not right. missing one game, and he's still really young. So, especially, I mean, if Thibodeau is gonna stay the coach and play him for as many minutes as he's gonna play him, like this is this is your guy. Like this is the ideal Tom Thibodeau player uh, who can play a lot of minutes and won't get banged up. Right, and I mean, all this guarantees is that the the Timberwolves are deep in into the cap space uh, luxury tax area, oh, yeah. and there's not <laughs> enough room for Jimmy Butler. So. He's, I mean, not, that does. I guess that goes without saying. Now is that he's definitely on his way out. It's just a matter of what deal lands on the table and which one the Timberwolves are w- willing to go. And let's go to the Jimmy Butler watch segment yeah. right now. Then <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, sh- let's shift gears. This, this is the more interesting side of this whole spiel. Yeah, I mean the the players who were in the running here were the Clippers and the Nets. Um, and it looks to me like. The Clippers might not be in the running anymore, though they have Tobias Harris, who may be their best asset. The Nets, it seems like there's no traction and news there. I think they have some good pieces to offer. Instead, it looks like it's the Miami Heat who have come out as the four, the the front runners to acquire Jimmy Butler. Um, and they got a plethora of NBA guards who make well over $10 million that can, <laughs> through any combination, match up the salaries to take back uh, for the Heat to take back Jimmy Butler. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the Heat are, interestingly, yeah, uh, Butler and his agent came out saying that this is now their preferred trade destination. Um, out of nowhere, really. It wasn't on the short list with the Knicks, Nets, and Clippers. Mm-hmm. I guess they, they didn't want to trade them to any of those guys. So here's here's the Heat, who are hard-capped with all these stupid contracts they have <laughs> for, like, medium players. Yeah. I, don't, I don't really know who 
the Wolves would want out of this group except for Goran Dragic. He seems like the most desirable piece for me. Justice yeah. Winslow, he's underperformed. I, I don't really see much from him. Josh Richardson's good, but not if you're trying to get Jimmy Butler. Uh, yeah. Tyler Johnson, overpaid, not that good. Deion Waiters, health concerns still. I don't mm-hmm. really know. Maybe, maybe he's the second best piece you got, but Goran Dragic has got to be the guy that they're looking for because Jeff Teague is so average. Yeah, but the problem there is now you're now you have you'd have two point guards essentially being overpaid. Uh, I think like Jeff Teague's contract is is in the fifteen million dollar range, and you get bringing Goran Dragic at eighteen million. I think actually Josh Richardson wouldn't be too bad for the Timberwolves. Um, it's not a great piece to take back in exchange for Jimmy Butler, but it's a I think it's a solid piece. You take him back, perhaps a first round pick. Um, and maybe a combination of Cole, Kelly Olenek, or you bring in Sacramento and you and you use Sacramento to absorb the Gorgie Dang contract that you that you currently have, which is uh, a hold on the cap, I think. And I'm not sure what the thinking there was to even give him that contract in the first place. Oh, it was that it was that beautiful 2016 cap oh, increase? That's that, what it is. Yep, got got guys like Mozgov and Dangs paid for the rest of their lives, but. I think more than the Kings, the Suns would actually be the ideal third team for this kind of trade. If you're looking mm-hmm. to get in Goran Dragic from the Heat, you're shipping. You're gonna ship out Jeff Teague because you cannot have, like you said, you cannot have those two super high contract point guards on your roster. So you ship him out to the Suns. Maybe they'd even take Gorgie Dang too. Who knows? But mm, okay. yeah, they they are an ideal place to offload some of that some of that contract. Um, some mm-hmm. of those bloated contracts, and they are looking for a point guard, and right now they have nothing, so Jeff Teague would be a huge upgrade for them. Right, and on that note, something that I discovered that I thought is a little crazy is the Kings actually don't have a first-rounder, so that's why they're also a good option to be a third team here because they are they probably want a first-rounder considering the record they're going to have at the end of this year. <laughs> yeah, uh, serious. So they probably wouldn't mind that Miami first-rounder if they made that work. They give uh, Gorgie Dan goes to the Kings. Uh, that first-rounder goes to the Kings as well. Uh, the Timberwolves will get a plet- one of these, a combination of these players. Yeah. Um, obviously, the Miami Heat get Butler. Uh, I like that trade, but the Suns trade. The Suns trade also sounds like it could make a lot of sense. Uh, because I mean they're they're lacking that that starting point guard right now, and right. Um, Goran Dragic is definitely an improvement from their second rounder that could potentially start at point guard right now. Yeah, seriously. That, yeah, it's, those three team trades are so confusing. I I have yet to figure out how exactly they work. I haven't done like too much research into them, but uh, it, mm-hmm. it takes a, quite a bit more complication than just matching salaries between two teams. Right. What are, so what about the Clippers, Sean? Have you lost hope that your Clippers can acquire Jimmy Butler? I haven't lost hope, but it's not looking likely. I think maybe we were trying to lowball them at first, so they didn't take us seriously. But mm-hmm. maybe now that it seems likely that the Heat are like looking like they're going to give a strong offer, maybe we'll finally give up Tobias Harris. Maybe that's the piece they've wanted the whole time. It's hard to really say. But um, yeah. I haven't given up hope yet because we have so little information to go off of, except for that we just haven't heard anything from any of them. 
Right. And I mean, if you give up Tobias Harris and another player and, and a pick, uh, I mean, Jimmy Butler just doesn't really have much to work with on that squad. I think there's plenty to work with because, I mean, we talked about it a little bit last week. This team just has a bunch of, like, average players. And, like, right. Tobias Harris is good, but Jimmy Butler is better. So if you can get trade Jimmy Butler for Tobias Harris and whatever other average player you need to throw in there, then that's a huge upgrade for the Clippers. That's true. I guess your second leading, I guess your second best player aside from Jimmy Butler would be Lou Williams at that point, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it'd be the same. Yeah. Tobias Harris is our best player. We'd just Mm. be making Jimmy Butler our best player. It's just like lose a little bit of depth, but we have so much depth. We don't, yeah, we don't need all those guys that we have on our roster right now. There, there's just a lot of parts that all kind of do the same thing. Yeah. Another so, interesting one, though, um, if we're looking at some other potential trades for Jimmy Butler, is actually the Raptors, which mm-hmm. at first seems like a long shot, but you're like, well, they're, they're in a mode right now where they're willing to risk a lot. And yeah. you have Kyle Lowry's $31 million contract over the next two years. I don't know if they're convinced that at age 32, Kyle Lowry can continue to lead that franchise and be the championship team that they want. Right. So maybe you trade them Kyle Lowry, who is also a huge upgrade from Jeff Teague, and you get Butler. Plus, you'd have to offload something else, too, because Lowry's contract's super pricey. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that could be a potential, too. I like that trade for the Raptors, but at the same time... If, you mean you'd be doing a huge turn from what you've been building over the last few years in trading Lowry, but it wouldn't be too bad. I guess Toronto would get back, would have to get back Jeff Teague or um, another point guard back in this trade. Not uh, necessarily. They got Freddie Van Fleet. I'm not sure you can, if you, mm, that's true. I mean, you could have Jimmy Butler basically be your point guard at that point. You start uh, Jimmy Butler at the two, Kawhi at the three, Van Fleet at the one. Yeah. You wouldn't That's be losing. Too bad. Yeah, it's not too bad. I mean, Van Fleet's definitely a big downgrade from Lowry, who's an all-star player. But yeah, I mean, if you're bringing in a guy like Jimmy Butler um, to shore up that two spot, which right now is um, Danny Green's position, I would yeah. say that's a huge upgrade. I just feel like I also think that to the Timberwolves are probably going to want to include that Gorgie Dane contract, and I just don't think it'd be a good idea for Toronto to take that contract in as well being as I mean you got a bunch Mm. of young players who are probably going to be due for a race sometime soon and they probably would rather give that money to those guys yeah that's true it'll be tough for them to keep that core together as it is because they're all like in that same age range they have OG down for a while though so they're they're chilling with him but you Mm -hmm. guys got got guys like Syacam and uh who else they got they're still like uh I don't remember (laughs) bench mob (laughs) that the bench mob, <laughs> yeah. though. I, I think it's an interesting one, but I don't think Toronto ultimately pulls the trigger on this. and Or neither neither do the Timberwolves. I think they... I don't know if they want... So it all for the Timberwolves, it's going to depend on what they want alongside Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. Do they want a vet that'll keep the Timberwolves fighting for a f- potential fifth seed this year? Or do they want a player with good upside that can continue to grow alongside these guys? Yeah. That's, it's really interesting. Like, I don't see the Timberwolves really winning any of these deals. Yeah, I, I think that's I just what either. it's going to come down to is like, how do we lose the least? 
Like, they're going to yeah. want a star player in return, but it's so hard to find a star player that's better than Jimmy Butler that's on the market. I don't think that one exists right now. So no, you're all I you're doing is so. downgrading your talent a little bit and maybe shoring up your depth a little more if you're the Wolves. And yep. that just seems like the opposite direction they want to go in right now. But it could also still be an upgrade if Towns and Wiggins improve their play a lot without Butler there. So True, that's what you have to that think damage. on. Yeah, like, Wig- Wiggins that better damage. play his ass off next year. <laughs> if he's talking smack on Butler, who basically made them an, from an irrelevant nothing team to a playoff contender by himself, if, if he's going to ride off Butler like that, he better show up next season. Because, man, he's talking all this smack and being all cheeky. It's like, dude, you're not even that good yet. Like, you better show us something next year. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think, though, the funny thing about this whole thing is this might because the saying always goes that the team that gets the best player got the better end of the deal. I heard that. And yeah. this may this might be one of those situations where the opposite is is uh, is true here that really? the Chicago Bulls got the I think the better end of this deal. I mean, Larry uh, yeah. <laughs> this guy, then now they got him for four years and this guy, this guy can ball. He's good. The Timberwolves. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks more likely to me that they're not going to get equal value in return for Jimmy Butler. Uh, they probably would have been better off keeping Laurie Markkinen. And in three years, they got that guy on a rookie, still on a rookie deal with Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. That's a solid team, I think. Yeah, be pretty solid. They definitely wouldn't have competed last year, though, as much as they did. They probably, they definitely would have made the playoffs. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. But I mean, this is obviously the long term view, uh, considering that Jimmy Butler. Is probably, I mean, he's going to walk away from this team with if he stays all year, and their best bet is to try to get something. Maybe good he'll try to go back to the Bulls next year. Possible, yeah. <laughs> That'd be crazy. Dude, yeah, he goes he, back to the Bulls. They just dropped Jabari Parker's contract, and then now you just insert him back into the two spot. That's true. You could do that. <laughs> he's like, yeah, and hey, have the cap you're welcome, space. guys. Yeah, you're welcome. I got you, Chris Dunn. I got you, Laurie Markkinen. And Zach Levine, now our now our team's looking good. <laughs> yeah, that that would be the ultimate conspiracy, and oh, that would man. be pretty cool. That would be pretty uh, smart because I mean, yeah, they'll have the cap space to give him the money he wants. But on that note, Jimmy Butler is interesting because he's sort of this NBA player that's not top ten, not top fifteen, maybe top twenty. Yeah, I say top twenty. Uh, who's eligible for one of these super for? Yeah, for one of these super max deals, but maybe not maybe not worth it for a team to give him that much money for that many years at the age that he's at. Right. Yeah, that's kind of why I'm okay with the Clippers shying away from signing him because if they do, he'd be eligible for that max, which is that $190 million deal that Towns just got. But if they wait until free agency, it's only a four-year... $140 million deal, I believe, um, if they sign him straight from free agency. So you're paying him a lot less. Um, and even then, it feels very Blake Griffin to me. Does it not to you? Yeah. I think that that is kind of like the point that you're getting at, too, is like this guy is a max contract guy that is just not worth it because you cannot build around him as a championship if you're trying to win a championship. Yeah, he's elite player, no no doubt, but he's not top 10. He's not 
he's never going to touch top five. And I guess at this point in his career, probably never touch top 10. I mean, we're basically seeing the best that he's got this year, last year, and next year, maybe another year after that. But after that, he's going to be regressing. So to sign him to a max deal up to four or five years, uh, just doesn't seem that smart to me. Or it, I feel like he's going to have a hard time finding that in the open market uh, with any of, and with many teams. Right. I mean, we saw how much Chris Paul got paid at 30, 33 years old he is now. It's just an insane amount of money for a guy that's super old. That's true. But, I mean, to Chris Paul's heat defense, I mean, this guy was a guy who you could make an argument for was a top five player uh, for, for a good string of years. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, Jimmy Butler will never get to that. So it'll be interesting to see how that all unfolds. I mean, it'll be a long-term thing for sure. We'll have to look back like five years from now and be like, wow, Jimmy Butler like totally landlocked that team and like made them like barely good for a number of years. Right. I think that's the fear that a lot of teams have. Um, but moving on from here, let's let's go into our division previews with the Central Division. Uh, well, so first, bas- before, before we move in, I just want to ask you this really quick. Is there going to be a Jimmy Butler deal? before our next podcast. I don't think so. Really? You think it'll drag out a little? I think so. I think teams are deep into training camp right now. I think they're having a hard time finding deals. Maybe once a couple, maybe once the preseason starts rolling around and the teams get a better idea of who they have and what they're missing, maybe we'll see a deal go down then. So I'm thinking two weeks. Two weeks. I think something will get done before next week. Before next week, he's he's gone. Yeah. Before next Wednesday. Interesting. I mean, yeah. it's, if he's gone, I wouldn't be that surprised. Uh, but I would be surprised if they got a good deal in return. Yeah. Like if it's Kelly Olynyk and Josh Richardson for Butler, <laughs> I would be okay. That's the yeah, deal. Yeah, that's I a expect. terrible deal. If they yeah. got something. <laughs> but if they got like multiple draft picks and uh, some pretty good quality pieces. An elaborate three-team trade went down. Uh, that would be really surprising. Yeah, yeah, that'd be crazy if if they can somehow get another all-star back, like Dragic, like Lowry. I'd be impressed. So yeah, let's let's move on to the uh, Central Division preview now. Sorry to cut you off there before. I just I just had to get that last question in. Yeah. Hey, Sean. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes. I can hear oh. you. Oh man, it's just been like bugging out for some reason. Can you still hear me? Yeah. I can hear you. Ugh. Can you oh, not let hear me? me? Switch again. Okay. It keeps like going in and out for some oh, reason. Oh shoot! Yeah, I could kind of tell that you were like struggling to hear me. Yeah. Can you hear me okay now? Yep, yep. Okay. Yeah, I'll, we'll just go ahead and edit edit most edit all that out. Um Yeah, sure. Yeah, I was yeah, having just, a hard time hearing off. you. You can just start yeah, off I was having with a hard the time preview. Hearing you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, whenever yeah. you're ready. Okay. Can you still hear me okay? Yeah. I can hear you. Okay. Cool. <laughs> oh, you keep like going Fading away not, for some reason. Damn. I'm not saying anything. 
What do you mean? Huh? How can you tell? How can you tell I was fading away? I didn't even say anything. Oh, okay. All right, <laughs> then maybe it's just I thought you were you're saying something. No, I just, yeah, you can start whenever you're ready. Okay. All right, <laughs> so moving on, let's let's look at the Central Division and continue our division previews here. Uh, let's start off with what I think is going to be the better team of the Central Division now that LeBron James is gone and the Cleveland Cavaliers' sole carrier is now Kevin Love and uh, Rodney Hood, Jordan Clarkson, <laughs> George Hill. I'm not sure. Oh, J.R. Stop, stop naming these names. <laughs> <laughs> but let's start with the let's start with the Bucks here. Uh, their additions. I think their biggest addition is a new head coach. They got rid of Jason Kidd. I think we all saw that coming, and it was really just a question of when. Um, after the start of last year and how they kept going and weren't really quite meeting expectations. But they got Mike Budenholzer, uh, former coach of the Atlanta Hawks, who led that team to 60 wins uh, and was also the coach of the year that year. Uh, his biggest highlight was that 60-win season. I um, mean, of course, being swept by LeBron James in the 2015 <laughs> playoffs when he had neither Kyrie Irving or Kevin Love on his team. Oh, but <laughs> because of that, I think this guy this guy is hungry. He's ready to make that return to the Eastern Conference Final or at least the second round. And alongside alongside him is Pat Cunnington, Erson uh, yeah. Ilisnova, and, of course, uh, Brooke Lopez, I think, who is a solid addition. And who they drafted is... Um, you want to try to pronounce this guy's name, Sean, for me? Yeah, that's a, that's an easy one. Uh, you got Mike Buttonholzer, and you think Dante DiVincenzo <laughs> is a harder name? The, I was, the combination I was really of these letters got... makes it hard. For, I feel makes it hard for me. Dude, I I was very impressed. You got Buttonholzer down. Like I thought you'd struggle with that. <laughs> and you got Pat Connington too. That was pretty good. <laughs> I was practicing before this this episode. I needed to make sure I didn't butcher these names. Just say saying it to yourself in the mirror. <laughs> yeah, I needed to get it right. Uh, and the departures from this team is, of course, former head coach Jason Kidd, uh, Jabari Parker, uh, the former number two pick, who at one point looked to be the corner a cornerstone piece for this franchise, but. After that string of injuries, you kind of had to let this guy go, and the rise of, with the rise also of Chris Middleton. But I think the huge plus here is Brooke Lopez mm-hmm. um, acquiring him for one year, three point three million. I think that's a great deal, which is obviously going to be a huge upgrade from John Henson um, and at least a good piece until Thon Maker eventually, at some point, hopefully makes his <laughs> uh, triumphant breakthrough into the NBA and becomes a great seven foot center. Whether that happens. I guess TBD, but Brooke Lopez, a great passing big man uh, who developed somewhat of a three-point shot with his time with the Los Angeles Lakers, and a plus for a team who kind of lacked uh, the ability to rebound the ball. Though Brooke Lopez isn't a strong rebounder, uh, he, he'll definitely help solve that problem slightly. But the common theme within with all these additions is all these guys can shoot from three. Pat Cunnington, 37% three-point shooter. Ursin Ilisnova, 36%. Uh, Brooke Lopez, maybe not a huge percentage, but a plus to have a seven-footer that can hit the three ball. Yeah, I mean, Lopez on that one-year, three-million deal, that's yeah. such a steal. I don't know why he would take so little money when he played pretty well at the Lakers last year, like, his services could be used by a lot of teams, but maybe he just wanted to play for a contender and then next year get paid when the salary cap increases again and people have a lot of money next year. Um, it's hard to say, yeah. but 
I mean, I think he's going to contribute immediately to this team. And honestly, the lineup is looking very strong all around. Yeah. Um, they have good backup between like Deladova, DiVincenzo, um, at the guard positions, and Brogdon even uh, or Tony Snell, whoever's going to start among those two guys, um, or whoever's coming off the bench. They they got a lot of guys that they can throw in there and. Mike Budenholzer can mix it up with a lot of different lineups, and it'll be interesting to see if he continues to have Giannis run the same offense that he did with Jason Kidd when he was so dead set on Giannis being the point guard of the team. When yeah. really, I think Brogdon should be the point guard, and Giannis should play more of a swingman, like wingman, like driving type of player. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I agree. I think Jason Kidd sort of had his interesting theories of how to make this team work. But I think you finally bring in a veteran coach that would probably have a better vision of how to make these pieces work because they have talented pieces. Um, Speaking on Malcolm Brogdon, the former rookie of the year, this is a, this guy missed two months of basketball last year. So I expect him to have a a better season this year. Um, Hopefully his chemistry with Eric Bledsoe will be a lot better than what we saw last year. And I'm sure it didn't help to miss that time in basketball. But yeah, you add these guys alongside Chris Middleton, Tony Snell, and Eric Bledsoe. Chris Middleton, who played all 82 games last year. And a huge improvement from 2016-2017, where he was out a lot of that season due to problems with his hamstring. But last year, 20 points, 46% shooting, 36% from three. Wow, solid. this is a, this is solid. This is a this is a good guy. And I mean, even Kevin Durant and uh, CJ McCollin giving him that shout out during their podcast. So, <laughs> yeah, dude, I was I was praising Chris Middleton before the season last year. He was one of my fantasy players that I was looking to target, mm-hmm. and. He's just so solid, and he's pretty underrated. Like, no one cares about Chris Middleton, but he just silently gets the job done every night. Yeah, he's a solid number two scoring option there, aside from Giannis. Uh, so, for me, everything I'm seeing, uh, I think this is this is it. This is the year the Milwaukee nah. Bucks hit that 50-win mark. Um, I thought they were going to do it last year, <laughs> obviously, but they needed they still they were still too raw around the edges, and... I just the whole Jason Kidd thing never should have happened. I think. Yeah, uh, it, made, it made for a great Game of Zones episode, though. That it did. <laughs> I could see what the thinking That's... was. Like you, I mean, J- Jason Kidd's a smart guy, so the theory there was he could grow with the team, but didn't happen. But yeah, I mean, that created that great Game of Zones episode that you're mentioning. <laughs> yeah, I I agree with you though. I see this tr- team trending up also. I mean, Giannis is just getting another year more experience. He's still young. He's still going to turn into that future MVP player, I think, especially under Buttonholzer now, who is a much higher caliber coach than Kidd was. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric Bledsoe is the interesting piece, though. He doesn't seem to fit too well on this team. I know they brought him in yeah. because he, he's got the talent. He's a great scorer. Um, he He's just an interesting piece to me. I feel like... He looks better on paper than he actually plays with the team. He's he's kind of like that. And I can't really describe why I feel that way. Just watching them play last year just didn't seem like he was quite doing it for him. Oh, did you get yeah. that same feeling? I did. I think the expectations was that he was going to come in and immediately um, improve this team. But it almost seemed like he really did nothing at all. The team still looked very stagnant. 
But yeah, I mean, Eric Bledsoe does seem like he might not be the best fit next to Giannis. Um, Eric Bledsoe isn't really the greatest shooter, so he does he can't, he can't open up that space for Giannis. Uh, they both have a similar style in attacking the basket. Uh, but Eric Bledsoe, I'd still think he's a solid piece to have on this team. I wouldn't think about trading him unless I guess a good deal came up. I think I think Mike and I. This is why I have him as the X factor. I think Budenholzer is the X factor for this team, being he's a veteran coach, um, and I think he'll have a better vision on how to make this make all these pieces work a lot better than uh, anything Jason Kidd experimented with. <laughs> uh, because I mean, right now this team is in a certain crossroads. I think and. Um, I mean, there's no rush. These guys are all young, but there is a little bit of pressure in that Giannis, uh, like any superstar, isn't doesn't have a guarantee to stay on your team forever. But this team is at a crossroads sure. being as in, are they going to be that team that everybody goes, oh, you got to watch out for these guys. But once the season gets started and once we get closer to the end, you never really uh, turn your head to actually look out for this team because they you know, not met. They didn't mean expectations. And I hate to throw the Clippers under the bus here, Sean, but <laughs> they're one of the team that comes up in recent memory. Yeah, I know. I know. We had so much potential. Yeah. We, we were one game away from making the conference finals. Ugh. Blew that three, one. Yeah. I mean, I mean that core. Yeah. And that core stayed together. Um, and it always seemed like this was going to be the year and it never quite happened. And it eventually broke broke apart. So I think the Milwaukee Bucks are sort of in that realm right now. Um, but the storyline to follow with these guys is going to be Giannis, uh, 23 years old. He's breaking into the mold and he's slowly starting to get closer and closer to what we would be his NBA peak, which is crazy since last, last year, this guy averaged 27 points (laughs) on 60% shooting and basically did almost everything, almost LeBron James like for his team. Um, in in terms of assists, rebounds, uh, defense blocks, uh, so he finished six in MVP. So I think this is, it's only got to be improvements from here. So maybe we'll see him break top five, break, uh, top three and push out, uh, Russell Westbrook and, uh, James Harden and some of these guys of the older age. Yeah. It's so hard to put him in that top five just because he just seems like he's still raw talent, you know, like it just yeah. doesn't seem like he has like the same basketball IQ that a guy like LeBron or a guy like Kevin Durant has. He's just not there yet. He's just freakishly talented. And we've, we've just seen that for the last few years. And I don't know, like the 60% shooting is a good number, but how much of that is three pointers? Hello? Hello? Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, that was better. <laughs> oh, man, it just kept breaking up right there. Um, yeah, so I just asked, like, how much of those is three-pointers, and then you can just pick it up right there, like, of a 60% shooting. What did you say? I, I was like, he has 60% shooting, but, like, how much of that is three-pointers? You can just pick it up there. Oh man, it just like broke up again. Like, that sentence you said. Uh, yeah. What? So you said sixty percent shooting. Well, yeah, I was like talking about like he's just a raw talent and like he has sixty percent shooting, but how much of that is three pointers? Oh, okay, that's what you said. How much of that is three pointers? Yeah. Um, 
Okay. I'll just jump in right there. Yeah. Yeah, so out of that 60% shooting, I don't think much of that was three-pointers. I mean, that's clearly his uh, one of his weakest points there is uh, three-point shooting, which why makes it kind of a weird fit with him and um, Eric Bledsoe, and I think also the same reason why they were this team was so mindful of bringing in the guys that they did bring, guys that can shoot over 35% shooting, and why Chris Middleton is having such a successful time alongside Giannis, uh, basically just opening up that space for him. Uh, so let's see if Mike can actually put together a team that will probably look a little bit similar to what Tyron Lue did with uh, with LeBron James is just letting that dude sir, uh, handle the ball, drive to the basket, and, and give him as much space as they can with shooters all around him. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm don't get me wrong. I'm excited to watch Giannis as any other guy. This this dude is one of the most talented guys I've ever seen play. Um, it does seem mm-hmm. like they filled in some holes around it, around his own game. So it should should make for a strong team. Uh, definitely, I think we'll finish first in this division for sure. Yeah, another team that'll be knocking right there. Maybe quite offended that you said that, Sean. Is <laughs> the, the Indiana Pacers. The, the Indiana Pacers, I think, had themselves a pretty decent offseason. They didn't get any big names, but I think they got a good piece here. Uh, their additions were Tyreek Evans, Doug McDermott, and Kyle O'Quinn. So no big names, but guys that I think are solid at what they do. So Tyreek Evans had himself a career year last year, resurrecting his NBA career a little bit with at Memphis. Um, pretty much played for nothing more than a tank team, but he got himself what he wanted. He got himself a solid deal, and now he's on the Indiana Pacers uh, with a good chance of helping this team get to, to the Eastern Conference Finals or at least the second round for the first time since Paul George... Roy Hibbert and Lance Stevenson were all on the same team. Oh man, yeah, I I think Tyreek Evans yeah. is a great addition. Like he played really well mm-hmm. for Memphis, like you said, and you you need some good backup on this team. He won't be a starter for this team, I don't think, but uh, to back up Odalipo like this, um, that's some solid uh backup right there. And then Doug McDermott. Just like I think I mentioned this back when we uh, talked about him first getting this contract, is reuniting with his uh, old Thunder buddies uh, on this team with Sabonis. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that's a really cool little story there. Uh, they can have mm-hmm. a little powwow and talk about how they they're still uh, rele- on a relevant basketball team together. Um, and then yeah, how, how about this guy Aaron Holiday? You got anything on him? Well, Aaron Holiday. Uh, well. Guard out of UCLA, uh, got drafted a little bit later than most people thought, and he is related to Drew Holiday. What? Whether or not he is the next <laughs> Drew Holiday, we'll we'll see. But he's a he's a nice little project for the Indiana Pacers to have on their roster. Probably won't make a, no, a lot of impact this year, but rather more for for the years to come to play. Uh, uh, just to add more to their debt at that point guard position. But their big departures, Lance Stevenson and Glenn Robinson the third, um, namely Lance Stevenson. I guess Larry Bird finally got tired of having him on his roster. Or actually, Larry Bird is no longer the uh, any affiliation with the Indiana Pacers. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> Lance Stevenson is no longer a Pacer. Which, <laughs> yeah, somebody was, but he's gone now in L.A. Uh, so you replace him with Tyreek Evans, essentially, because I think he's he'll probably uh, take most of his what minutes that Lance Stevenson played. So that's an upgrade there for sure. 
Um, and also another plus with this team is LeBron James is gone from the Central Division. Uh, <laughs> they're not going to have to face him in a Game 7 no longer. So are, are we Super Saiyan Odalipo is going to be able to take advantage of that. What was are that? we going to have to mention that like every time that like an Eastern team is trending up? Do we have to mention that LeBron is the reason that they're trending up just because he's gone? <laughs> <laughs> well, you could technically say that i guess for every eastern conference team though i do think it plays more for the indiana pacers just because they probably would have made it to the second round had it just not been for lebron james's monster <laughs> efforts in yeah, game seven I, I and know. game six i know i just i just gotta <laughs> so think i gotta like, give him that yeah for sure i i mean i I mean, I kind of yeah. disrespected them before when I was talking about the Bucks being the front runners to win the division, but the Pacers do have a good chance to do it too. I mean, you got Odalipo, of course. I mean, we'll see if mm-hmm. he can continue to improve on what he's doing there. I mean, it's hard for me to imagine him getting that much better because of just the massive jump that he took last year, which is absolutely insane. And then you got a guy like Miles Turner, um, who I see as your X Factor, who didn't really perform as well as I thought he would last year, but he has another shot this year, yeah? Yeah, he does, and that's who I have as my X Factor because Miles Turner at 22 years old, he's in his fourth year in his league. He's in a contract year. He has yet to be, to be offered an extension, and it's with good reason. I mean, uh, he played 60 games last year, less than he did the year before. He averaged 12 points and 6 rebounds, less than 2017 when he averaged 14 points and 7 rebounds. So he didn't really put together quite that great of a campaign, uh, overshadowed by Odalipo. But nonetheless, this team put together a good, a good solid regular season and got to a Game 7 in the first round and almost got themselves into that second round had it not been for LeBron James. But <laughs> if this team wants to be serious as a top four and a, and a runner to make it deep into the playoffs, uh, Miles Turner has to develop and put together a good season and breakthrough, not only just for his payday sake, uh, but for the Indiana Pacers as a whole. When you look at the the player, the teams that they probably want to compete with, you got Boston, you got Al Horford, you got Toronto, you got Valasunas, you Philadelphia, you got Joel Embiid. Not that they, he has to play to the level of these guys, but he's got to be able to defend these dudes night in, night out, and throughout an entire playoff series. Yeah, that's a lot to ask for a young guy like that, don't you think? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it's a lot. It's a lot to ask for, and I don't think he, like I said, I don't think he has to play at the same level as these guys. But he just has to be aware that if this team wants to be taken serious, these are the guys he's got to be able to defend. Yeah, that's true. Man, it, it's so it's hard for me yeah. to and think this, that this team can actually like compete with the best in the East, though. Like they just they just seem like that like t- like second tier team. Like that's good, and they'll be they will most likely be like the fourth or fifth seed in the East. Um, but. I, I just can't see them making another jump like they did last year. Like it was just so crazy what they did last year. Yeah, I I I I agree and that's that's mainly the point I wanted to make here is that I think the only way they break through is I mean Odolipo continues his good his great play. Uh Sabonis and some of these role players play solid as well, but they're going to need that second option and that defender right right in the interior and I think Miles Turner's guys all signs to me point that Miles Turner um, is basically who the franchise is leaning on. Hopefully he makes that improvement 
Um, if not, uh, they might they he might not be worth that that extension at the end mm-hmm. here. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I'll give him I'll give him trending. I give him trending up still, uh, just because of the young pieces and they brought in Tyreek Evans. So I gotta think that they're they they've upgraded. Uh, so they won 48 games last year. I'll give them 49, but still wow. basically under 50, but more than 45. Yeah, and it's basically even, like 48, 49. There's not really much of a difference there between those. Um, so let, I think uh, let's move on to the Pistons here. Uh, very middling team right now in the East. Um, they added a few interesting pieces, though. Well, I should say namely one piece in Dwayne Casey, head coach of the year last year, who got fired from his job at Toronto, winning 59 games with them. All just to lose to LeBron. Man, I feel so bad for this man, but he was picked up by a team that actually wants him, so good for him. And I, I think he's going to make some good changes in this organization, along with the head coach, you got Jose Calderon, who means really nothing anymore. Zaza Pachulia, who we already know is my least favorite player in the league, so that is awful. And uh, Glenn Robinson. Besides that, they drafted a guy, Kyrie Thomas, and uh, another guy, Bruce Brown, both in the second round of the draft. I couldn't really find anything that exciting about either of these guys, so I doubt they'll make any impact, at least immediately. Who knows? They could turn out to be the next Draymond Greens. I uh, I doubt that highly. And then as far as departures go, you got Stan Van Gundy, who is outed as the head coach slash GM of this team. That was probably one of the best moves they could have done for themselves. And they also lose Eric Moreland and Anthony Tolliver. Um, but yes, as far as the general lineup goes, it looks pretty much the same as last year. Um, they had a lot of cap space problems uh, bringing in Blake Griffin and having guys like Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson already on contract. Uh, Reggie Jackson's a guy, Alan, that you, you like a lot, though. Yeah, you think he can really add a good spark to this team going into the season? Uh, I really – I did like this guy. I thought it was – I mean, honestly, he, he wanted to grow. That's why he had to leave OKC. He wanted what he got in Detroit, which is a big payday. Uh, last year – I mean, he was injured for the most part. Uh, had really had a hard time catching any rhythm with this team. I think he's still a good player, though he'll never probably be like maybe top thirty in this league. Um, he's nah. just a, he's a solid piece. Unfortunately, I think the expectations and the expectations he has on himself are probably a lot higher than what he could meet. Uh, though, I mean, who knows? I mean, he could. This could be a year where he he breaks out and has a great year. Uh, since he missed most of it last year. But um, the Detroit Pistons are just such an interesting situation with Reggie Jackson and Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. You've got a bunch of money committed, uh, not very much flexibility, and you ha- you're going to lack that flexibility for years to come. And I, I, don't, I don't really like the situation. And <laughs> I'll give props to Dwayne Casey if he can make it work and this team finds themselves... Uh, anything higher than the eighth seed or seventh seed. If they get the eighth seed, I wouldn't be too surprised. If they get anything higher than that, uh, that, that, that'll be huge. Yeah. I'm in almost the exact same boat as you. I have them as the eighth seed only because like we have to mention with every other team in the <laughs> East, LeBron is off the Cavs. So the Cavs right. are out of the playoffs. So they go up one space, <laughs> but yeah. I mean if if you have to have any hope for this team to contend a little bit it's Dwayne Casey's coaching 
his ability to make a very elite defense as possible centered around Andre Drummond. I mean, this is a man that can rebound and block with the best of them. Uh, doesn't have yeah. much outside of that, but I mean, that's a great start. And if you can somehow get Blake Griffin to play good defense, I'd be very impressed. Um, if anyone can do it, it's Dwayne Casey. Uh, Doc Rivers sure could never make him do it very well. The challenge for Dwayne Casey, though, is can he keep Blake Griffin healthy? Yeah, that's true. And Reggie Jackson also. I mean, both these guys, right. they, they need to stay healthy for this team to even make the playoffs. If any either one of them goes down, they're looking at a non-playoff year again. You mm-hmm. committed all this money to Blake Griffin, all this money to Reggie Jackson, and for what? For nothing. You, just, no, you don't even have a draft pick last year because you gave it to the Clippers. <laughs> like, it's just, it's just looking so sad. I mean, even if they had their draft pick, would they even do anything with it? I mean, previous three drafts, they draft Stanley Johnson over Devin Booker. They draft Ouch. a guy who I've never heard of in my life, Henry <laughs> Ellison over Malcolm Brogdon, who went on to be the Rookie of the Year in 2016 and then last year famously drafting Luke Kennard one space ahead of Donovan Mitchell I can understand the Malcolm Brogdon thing he kind of just came out of nowhere to Stanley Johnson <laughs> that, yeah, that, that Stan- it's kind of it's kind of bad not the worst but Luke Kennard over Donovan Mitchell ouch that yeah that, that one stings a lot one space mm-hmm. away you could have just had him there Luke Kennard just a middling average player on his outlook right now. And then I, mean, the, I think the thing I remember Stanley Johnson the most for is on like our first, the first week of our podcast, he was our worst performance of the week and he held his title <laughs> he did. through almost the entire year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all that means is there's only upside for this guy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so they can't do much worse than they have done with these drafts, but. So looking at their projected starting lineup, honestly, man, like there's two players in this that are like so unrecognizable. Like it's just crazy how this could possibly be a playoff team. You have Reggie Jackson, who's a good player at the point guard, but then you have a guy named Reggie Bullock. I don't think I have ever like seen this guy before. He's their starting shooting guard. Have you have you ever heard of this guy, Reggie Bullock? Uh, I don't. Th- Think so. I mean, I never, I didn't really watch the Detroit Pistons all that much last year. Uh, I don't think he no, even played I don't for know them much about Reggie much. Bullock. Yeah, and, and then you got Stanley Johnson, a small forward. We know what he's worth. And then Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond, who looked like they could compete to be one of the best front courts in the entire NBA. But I mean, just watching them play with each other last year just does not seem to be the case anymore. No, and last like podcast we were trying to bring up the top front um, uh, front courts in the NBA, and I don't think we mentioned Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. <laughs> right? Yeah, I was thinking that too. It's like we're talking about uh, who can compete with Anthony Davis and Julius Randle or Nikola Mirotic. Like I only thought of Denver as a possibility. I didn't. I didn't even consider these guys, and uh, for good reason. Like they just. On paper, they look good, but on the on the court, they just didn't get anything done that proved that they were worthy of being in that conversation. Right. So, I guess at the end of the day, the X factor is Blake Griffin, honestly. Yeah. He has that monster contract. We, we drew the Jimmy Butler scenario of similarities of you're not a top 20 player, but you're getting paid top 10 money. Yeah. Can, can you... 
make your career worth it? Can can this be? Are you? Can you prove that you haven't hit your prime yet, and then you can take another step towards being like an all star starter caliber player? Yeah, I think, uh, it's so hard for me to see. I I just can't see it. But that's what's got to happen for this team. Yeah, I think the only way Blake Griffin resurrects his career and gets back into serious contention, potentially top twenty five, uh, is if he just completely reinvents his game. Which it's it sucks because I think he's stuck in between and and he got stuck in between two eras of where you had your uh your brew athletic power forwards and now you have you're in an era where you have uh, power forwards like like a Julius Randle, uh, not quite the size yeah. of Blake Griffin, but he has that flexibility where he can go out and guard wings. Um, and also the era where you basically can play Trevor Reza at power forward or uh, guys like LeBron James or Paul George and Carmelo Anthony, guys that can yeah. shoot. So he that it, it sucks for him a little bit, and I think he's kind of stuck in that middle ground where he doesn't know whether to continue to play that brute power forward type style or to completely reinvent his game and become a three-point shooting power forward that goes out to the wings often. Yeah. Which he's tried, I mean, but it hasn't really worked out in his favor. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, like, he can shoot the three. I've seen him shoot threes. It, it's a weird-looking shot, but it works. <laughs> it works a little bit. Like, I mean, it's not the worst shot in the world, and he, like, goes for it a few times a game at least. But yeah, I, I agree. Like, it's just, he's going to have to, I, I just, his body type right now, what it is, is he's more of a center, that prototypical, like what people want out of a center nowadays in the mm-hmm. NBA and not, not a power forward. But uh, on this team, that's just not going to happen. So uh, good it, luck with that. Uh, yeah. But they are trending slightly up to the eighth seed. I have them winning around the same amount as they did last year, anywhere between 38 and 40. Um, just knocking the Hornets and the Cavs out. And as far as storylines, I, I mean, it's just that X factor, Blake Griffin. I don't, this team does not seem like it's very exciting. There's not really any drama, not really any, <laughs> anything important to think about with this team. They're just, they're, they're like a fizzle out eighth seed, get knocked out in the first round and you're done kind of team. So if you have league pass, you don't recommend adding the Detroit Pistons as one of those mud C teams. Or as one of your favorites. <laughs> no, I'm, I'll probably stay away from the Pistons games unless they're playing someone interesting. But yeah, I'm not. I'm never going to League Pass to watch the Pistons. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think the Pistons uh, kind of carry that same load or seem that same title as this next team, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Who uh, I guess we got to keep mentioning LeBron James's team. So basically, <laughs> LeBron James left. So what are you left with that? Uh, not really much. Well, you you got Kevin Love still, but That's some it. additions here. Uh, There's one the, good addition here. I think <laughs> I highlighted it for you. <laughs> I did see that. I thought I made that mistake, and I was like, oh. And then I realized who it was. And I thought, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> but I thought it was interesting that uh, basically two of the these new additions are guys that probably would not have had an NBA contract right now had it had it not been for tanking. So that first no. name is Kobe Simmons. Kobe <laughs> Simmons would not have an NBA contract right now with the Cleveland Cavaliers had it not been for tanking. Basically, the Memphis Grizzlies brought in their secret weapons to tank oh, harder yeah. than ever, and one of those secret weapons was Kobe Simmons. I'm dying, bro. I'm Kobe Simmons. <laughs> that second uh, yeah. player, 
is David Nuaba. No, I, I dude. Know you like, David Nuaba <laughs> is another secret weapon tanking tool who managed to <laughs> no get a bunch way. of NBA minutes and now has himself an NBA contract. Good for him, but you got to give a shout out to the tanking world that is the only reason these guys have contracts. But other additions is uh, Sam Decker. Solid piece from the from the Clippers. Isaiah Taylor and uh, Shining Channing Fry still manages to linger around the league, and he's back with his <laughs> old squad. Oh, Channing Fry! He, he's he's a big man that can shoot threes. That's it's okay. Once upon a time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, this now, is the and, real story here. This this guy they drafted, yeah. Yeah, Colin Saxon with the eighth pick. This is the real story. I mean, this guy is probably gonna. Well, no, he won't start, but. He could be fighting for a starting position on this team if uh Wait, Rodney you don't Hood think he'll and, start? I mean, I th- I still think Tyron Lue will lean on on J.R. Smith and Rodney Hood to start. J.R. Smith, dude? Mm, nah, I can't. A, I can't. But I, but I wouldn't be surprised if come December, Colin Saxton is starting for this team or at least playing a good, solid amount of uh, minutes. Uh, but, I mean, departures... Uh, to sh- it's depressing to say, and not because Jose Calderon <laughs> left, or not because Jeff Green left, and not because Kendrick Perkins left. We all oh, know Kendrick Perkins, <laughs> LeBron James. So the last time yeah. LeBron left the Cleveland Cavaliers, they went from having the best record in the regular season to having the second worst. So I'll give them a little bit of credit, and I don't think it'll quite go to that. But you also have to take into consideration that LeBron led the Cavs in points, assists, steals, and blocks per game last year. And their top pass return passer is George Hill, who only averaged two assists for this team. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then in terms of defense, they didn't play much of it with LeBron. So now with LeBron <laughs> gone, I don't think it's they traded him for a defensive player. So they last year, they were 29th in defensive rating. Which is crazy that they were even a playoff team with that ranking. Let I mean, alone, you saw how badly they played at the end of the year. <laughs> that's true. Uh, so looking back on this, I was stunned. I was like, wow, I, most pe- teams don't make the playoffs with rankings that low, let alone make it to the NBA Finals. So only the Suns were a worse defensive team than the Cavs <laughs> last year. Ouch. Um, and now they lose LeBron, so... I don't know who's going to play defense on this team. I oh, guess you got to I know exactly who's going to play defense on this team. David Nwaba. Yeah, he is. Or Kobe All-star Simmons. All-star defender, bro. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, these guys are going to be hungry to get an NBA contract. Obviously, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance are also young guns looking to get paid. Ronnie Hood as well, who had to accept his qualifying offer uh, because he just was not getting anything in the in the market this year uh so and that's the x factor for this team i think if this team wants to win more than 40 wins it's gonna be i mean you got kevin love i don't think he's really going anywhere i think he's still gonna average the same probably the same numbers as he did last year but ronnie hood if he's gotta have somewhat of a good season if this team even gets remotely close to winning more than 40 wins uh he has got to get back to his Utah days where he averaged 16 points, 39% shooting from three, um, and was just a good go-to scoring option because looking around his roster, he's the name that stands out as the, the best guy to go to as your second option. Yeah, except for David Nawaba. You could go there too. Um, <laughs> the storyline to follow. I can definitely see Colin Sexton being that second guy when it gets to the end of the year though. Um, that would be interesting. I, 
Yeah, I do believe you when you say, like, Rodney Hood has the best chance to be that second guy. He's shown flashes of it in the past, especially with Utah, like you said. Mm-hmm. But, man, if I'm looking at potential and I'm looking at a guy with just, like, a fierce competitiveness, it's not Rodney Hood. It's Colin Sexton. Yeah. It's a limited sample size, of sure. I, do, I only saw him play in the summer league, but... Man, if this guy just brings a fraction of the drive that I saw from him in in those summer league games, which meant nothing, mm-hmm. like these are real NBA games, he's gonna have a whole new level of competitiveness. Like this guy wants it; he's hungry, man. It's like to see that energy out of a young guy like that, like that, just total focus on the game. I I love to see that, and I I think this guy has a really bright future, but. Yeah, it's I mean, hard to say if it'll come to anything this year, though. Yeah, I mean, I think the summer league is easy to display that, but once the reality of the NBA hits and you're playing 82 games and traveling, which I feel like is probably one of the harder things for first years to adjust to, is the fact that you're just traveling and playing so many more uh, bigger bodies. I, I like, <laughs> right. but yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Colin Sexton at the end, towards the end, there catches some rhythm and uh, maybe, yeah, is the second leading scorer on this team. If he gets the 15 and 16 points a game, that's that's really good. For, <laughs> that's for enough to do it, year. yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Uh, but, I mean, for now, Tyron Lue even specifically said that Ronnie Hood will be their second leading scorer during media day. So, in Tyron Lue's eyes, Ronnie Hood is going to be that second go-to guy. Um, and the storyline to follow with this team is Kevin Love. I mean, this guy got his big payday. He signed it among a bunch of... Uh, stadium workers, construction workers who will never in their lives all combine, <laughs> even come close to making what Kevin Love signed that contract <laughs> for, <laughs> which is oh, funny man. that he did that, but I guess that's that's the reality, but not to put such a damper on it. But anyways, the storyline is uh, what can Kevin Love still do? And he just signed his four-year contract, and if he can't produce, does that mean the Ca- the Cleveland Cavaliers essentially have shot themselves in the foot? Yeah, that would be really bad. And then I think another great storyline here is can Tyron Lue actually coach a basketball team? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, I'm a Tyron Lue guy, but there are those doubters out there. You are you are a Tyron Lue guy? You you really think he's a legit coach? I think he I think he I think he yeah, I think he can do it. I mean, he I think he's a good commanding commanding force. I, he's he's obviously a great leader. I mean, that what we saw last year for out of that Cleveland Cavalier team was uh, nothing short of impressive. But that was all LeBron. I don't was know, man. I, I'm going to give Tyron Lue some credit there too. Really? I mean, he made some gutsy moves. He played Ronnie Hood, uh, and Ron when when it seemed like Ronnie Hood was probably the last thing you should try to do, uh, and he put him out there, and they had some solid some solid games. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. I think his coaching has something to do to to help this Cleveland Cavalier team stay uh, optimistic and win that game seven, sweep the Raptors, um, have that competitive Eastern Conference final. Uh, mm. I mean, he maybe uh, he might have ran out of some magic there in the finals, but I mean that that was a lot to ask for. Yeah, I just i I struggle to see him being a big part of all that. I just I feel like it was all LeBron. I. He'll have to prove it to me this year. That's all I got to say. I mean, it's going to be difficult, but yeah, we'll see what this team can put together. But the clear mark is that this team is trending down. I got him at 36 wins. Oh, that's actually more generous than I thought you'd be. 
So I basically, I mean, the Charlotte Hornets got 36 wins last year. I think they can be as good as that team. You think they're as good as the last year's Charlotte Hornets? Hmm. I think so. I think they and, can be. Uh, I'll give them a little lower. I'll say 34. 34 wins. Okay, that's not quite uh, Nets and Bulls territory. Yeah, so. yeah. Speaking of, yeah, th- this Bulls team definitely going to be trending a little farther down than the Cavs still, but perhaps making up some ground on them from last year, at least a, <laughs> at least a little bit, I would hope to imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah, but let, let's take a look at this Bulls team. I, I was a big fan of the Bulls last year, mostly because of David Nawaba, but I also just enjoyed watching these guys play. They they really had nothing to fight for, but the Bulls announcers, their local announcers, are actually really fun to listen to, um, <laughs> which I learned after having the League Pass subscription, and uh, it's, just a, it's just a fun team to root for. You want them to win because they have a lot of young, talented guys on their team that you want to see do well. Uh, one of those guys being uh, Jabari Parker now. Um, this is a guy mm-hmm. who I've thought has been super talented for the as long as he's been in the NBA and just the injuries, man. You just can't get over the injuries. And just I'm hoping he can just break the mold and this year can be that year where he just finally is healthy, um, is able to prove himself. This team gave him a two-year $40 million deal uh, with a team option for the second year to mitigate some risk there. But it's still a big risk for them. That's a lot of money to dedicate to a guy that hasn't really proven he's worth that much yet. Um, so yeah. hopefully it works out there. Uh, yeah, another great. It, it's yeah, interesting that he ended up getting that uh, more than than a lot of guys in the NBA this year or this right. off season. <laughs> yeah, talk about a good deal, man. Like yeah, for not doing much. Yeah, it, there was not. I don't think there's a lot of teams with this much interest in him. And they, yeah, he was lucky the Bulls had that cap space to bring him in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then here, here we got Wendell Carter Jr. at the number seven spot in the draft this year. This guy has a really high prospect. He's a high energy big man. Uh, at six foot ten, he plays taller than he is because he's got a lot of weight to throw around. Um, he has good fundamentals according to the scouts, and you know, number seven drafted overall, and a lot of guys think that he could have been drafted even higher with the potential that he has. Um, could easily be in that starting position uh, come December uh, once Robin Lopez shows how mediocre he still is. And uh, <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah, that that's really the story with this guy. And then they also had another first-round pick in the first round, uh, Chandler Hutchinson at 22. Uh, he's a six foot seven shooting guard slash small forward, can kind of do it all. Uh, played for Boise State for a few years there. Um, it'll be interesting to see what he can add to this team. He definitely adds youth, which is what this team has a lot of already. So there's there's a lot of guys in that 20 to 24 range. We'll see how that all pans out. And as far as departures, we have Jerry and Grant, Sean Kilpatrick, Noah Vonley, and Paul Zipser. All guys that were really, you know, okay players. Um, nothing, nothing too bad that they lost. Not that they had anything crazy to lose in the first place. Um, right. Yeah, what, what was your what are your thoughts on these additions and departures, on? I mean, there's not much to uh, rave about. I mean, <laughs> yeah. all, at least all the raving is on the side of the draft picks. I think Wendell Carter Jr. up to this point seems like a great pick for them to have gotten. Uh, but he, I mean, it's the same. It's basically what you want and what seems to be 
becoming the bigger trend coming out of the draft is long athletic uh, men, long athletic uh, players. Uh, so I think it's just really a matter of question of like, can he sort of improve around the edges a little bit? So improve his shooting, improve his skill, improve defense, and and really just see what he can do on the NBA core at the NBA level. So excited to watch this guy play this this year. Yeah, I I agree. I I can definitely see him inserted into the starting lineup in the middle of the season if he if he comes out of the gates and he's playing really well and outplaying Robin Lopez as far as efficiency in the minutes he's getting. Um, yeah. Looking at the projected starting lineup, I don't know if this is the case, but this in my this has to be the youngest starting lineup in the entire NBA. Maybe maybe the Suns are also, but they have Trevor Ariza. He t- he brings it up a lot. But say Wendell Carter Jr. does end up being the starting center. That's a starting lineup of Chris Dunn, Zach Levine, Jabari Parker, Laurie Markkinen, and Carter Jr. Um, all with respective ages of 24, 23, 23, 21, and 19. It's like a college team. It's like a college team. Yeah, there's probably college teams with a higher average age than these guys. That's like, true, like an all-senior lineup. Yeah, an all-senior lineup, yeah. Because like Markkinen and Carter Jr., man, so young. But yeah, they have like all of these guys are high upside guys. Like none of these are like players that have already like hit their peak or already shown that they're not as good as everyone thought they would. These are all guys that can really improve a lot in this league. And so as far as an X factor goes, I, you can take your pick, Alan. I I could <laughs> not decide between any of these guys. Like they could all make that next jump to become an all star in this league, and none of them are gonna do it within the next year, in my opinion. But mm-hmm. the, any one of them could be an all star in the next two or three years. Yeah, I do like those chances. I mean, I'm looking at Laurie Markkinen, and I think out of everybody, he. Right now, I think he has the better shot, though I haven't seen Wendell Carter Jr. But I'm excited to, uh, to keep tabs on this guy through the season. Him and like uh, guys like Jaron Jackson Jr., who is also kind of that same style as him. I mean, all these all these mm-hmm. athletic big guys that are coming in, it's it's kind of kind of like scary to see what they can do. <laughs> uh, we could right. very well see a new phase of the NBA where we get like a almost Giannis like guys running around. Man through the whole yeah league. that's really scary to think about but also really cool really exciting which makes the nba that much faster that much funner to watch more fun to watch yeah we could just be we and we had the era of a big seven footers where you just could not compete unless you had a big brute seven footer uh mm-hmm. to the era of point guards and to the era of three-point shooting and we might we this might be setting the bridge to a, another era of basketball evolution with all these young freakishly athletic seven footers yeah and just getting a bunch of six foot eight six foot nine guys that can guard four positions <laughs> yeah that's gonna be it's gonna be insane uh so yeah there's gonna be a bad team but a little <laughs> exciting to actually watch just just because of some of these young guys right yeah yes for as, for as much like praise as i've given them so far we have to remember that this is still not a good team at all no i i have them trending up but only slightly. I'll give them 32 wins this year with a lot of potential to jump into a playoff spot after next year. Okay. Wow. I don't yeah. know about... Well, Well, guess we'll have to see what happens in the Eastern Conference. But 
Yeah, I'm going to go with you. I, I don't think they actually get to 32. I'll, I'll give them 30. You know, 30, 30, and 29. I think they barely touch 30. I'll give yeah. them. Yeah, I might be being a little generous with my bias because I just I like the makeup of this team. I like what they've done after losing Jimmy Butler. Um, maybe a little too early to give them that many wins, but I, I like where they're at. Like Even though they're bad, they're going the right direction. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, so just to close it off, let's uh, go back to media day. So based everything that's been happening up and towards the media day, one rumor that started circu- circulating around is that Kyrie Irving potentially wants to go to the New York Knicks or he's going to leave Boston. Well, he did a good job of putting that rumor down and the rumor mill should probably calm down at least until the start of the NBA season. Uh, he actually <laughs> had a quote, why would I want to leave? And it's a solid question. I mean, the Boston Celtics have a solid roster. They have young pieces. And guess what? They probably they have a potentially another high lottery pick this year, all thanks to the Sacramento Kings. Oh, my gosh. Back in the day, uh, traded the rights to this pick. And it could either go to the 76ers or the Boston Celtics, depending on where it lands. If it lands number one, it's the 76ers. Anywhere outside of that, it belongs to the Boston Celtics. And wow. judging off the Kings roster... I wouldn't say that they're they're going to f- pick around anywhere between the 20th picks. They're probably going to be <laughs> really far up there. Yeah, I mean, it's possible the Sixers get it if it's number one. But, yeah, more likely than not, I can imagine it being anywhere between two and five, most likely. And that's a big pick for the Celtics, man. Oh, That would be huge. I don't think if they win the championship, I had not heard of something like this since the Detroit Pistons when they won or they made it to the NBA Finals or they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals and then the following year they had a top three pick which yeah. they didn't choose which they didn't use on either Dwayne Wade Chris Bosh or well they couldn't have caught in Carmelo Anthony but they could have had Chris Bosh or Dwayne Wade right man how crazy would that have been oh yeah. man what could have been with that it leads, it leads us off to next week where we'll be doing our final division preview which is our favorite division the pacific division warriors lakers clippers suns and of course the kings (laughs) yeah that'll be a fun one i'm always excited for that one and then after that i think that'll be our fantasy draft again yeah yeah gotta start planning that heck yeah all right thanks everybody for tuning in catch us next week where we'll be doing the pacific division preview